The thrill and excitement of March Mania is here, and DraftKings Sportsbook, one of America's top-rated sportsbook apps, is giving new customers a shot to turn 5 bucks into $150 instantly in bonus bets with any college basketball bet. You can find all the lines and available odds, of course, at the DraftKings Sportsbook app. North Carolina listeners, don't forget, DraftKings Sportsbook is now live in your state. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code SBNFL. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get $150 instantly in bonus bonus bets only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code SBNFL. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 8778-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility, deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Chris and Nick Show here on Big Blue View Radio. I am one of the hosts, Nick Pilato, joined as always by Chris Flum. And today, we're going to go over some defensive sleepers. Last week, at the end of the week, we discussed some offensive sleepers that the Giants could be interested. They may target a little bit later on in the draft. And in this podcast, we're not going to dive in depth into the prospects, but we will discuss some sleepers who I think Wink Martindale will be interested in. So first, Chris, how you doing? You know, I am doing well yeah kind of looking forward to tomorrow my sister's coming to visit but at least for right now i'm doing well there we go some good old family bonding time before the nfl draft for one chris flum but chris before that let's start at the edge position look the new york giants invested a top five pick at edge Kayvon thibodeau they also spent a top 50 pick on Aziz Ojolari in the previous draft. But as we articulated recently on the podcast, Giants still need to add assets to their edge group because there's not a lot of depth. And Aziz Ojolari spent much of the 2022 season not healthy, not on the football field, not helping the Giants in that regard. So let's start at edge. Who was the first edge rusher that you want to discuss in terms of possible back end day two guys or maybe even day three players who Wink Martindale may be interested in? You know, I'm not sure this guy is, he he could be classified as a sleeper, but just given how almost absurdly deep this edge class is, I want to talk about Derek Hall from Auburn for a little bit. Yeah, Hall is, he is a guy, I think he's kind of falling between the cracks a little bit in this edge class, but dude is absolutely explosive off the edge. He is a handful for offensive tackles out there. And somehow he's not getting talked about as much as I, I really think he should. Of course, you know, the consensus big board, which kind of tracks where guys are drafted throughout mock drafts around the, around the interweb. It has him as the 12th highest ranked edge defender, but also 62nd overall. So I, th- I think that just kind of illustrates how absurdly deep this edge class is. And somebody this good could still possibly be considered a sleeper. He's a wildly explosive player, just kind of how he goes into contact. It's similar to me from like a Lucas Van Ness. Now they're not similar players, but just how powerful and how they're kind of shot out of a cannon from 
a stagnant position into the point of contact. It's one of the things I love about him. He's not the the bendiest. You know, he doesn't have the bend of a Will McDonald from Iowa State or BJ Ojolari from an LS from an L, from LSU. And I don't think he had the best senior bowl, but in terms of his tape, I love how he just kind of uses his hands, explodes low to high, gets really up into the pads to rise the pad level of the offensive tackle to bow their back backwards to set up further counter moves. So I appreciate Hall's game. And I also like his teammate, Colby Wooden, who look, he played edge predominantly, but I think he's more of an interior defensive lineman and they did move him, the Tigers all over the interior defensive line, but he's another player who was pretty productive for the Auburn Tigers, had 36 pressures this last season, was pretty accomplished throughout his career, will be more than likely a round four, a round five pick, but a player who I think you can utilize all across the line of scrimmage, but he might be a little bit more of an interior defensive lineman, but a little bit of spoiler work alert right there. We're not at the interior defensive line quite yet, Chris, but we could talk about him because he played a little bit of edge, but let's get into somebody else other than these two Auburn guys that interest us. Nick Herbig from Wisconsin. This guy has been on my list to watch for quite a while. And I watched a decent amount of Wisconsin defense, but I wasn't focusing on Nick Herbig, that edge rusher. So please enlighten our audience on what Nick Herbig, who's probably going to be one of those day three picks. Who's just a 10-year veteran, just a consummate professional because Iowa just pumps them into the NFL at the linebacker and edge position. So what are your thoughts on this player? Herbig is a very interesting guy to me. He is, he kind of straddles that line between edge and outside linebacker. And he's playing a little bit of each. Yeah, depending on where you have him ranked, he's either a good athlete or a mediocre athlete. Yeah, he's 6'2", 240, which that's kind of, again, right on that line between edge defender and outside linebacker, off-ball linebacker. Ran a 4.65 at the combine, had a 34-inch vert. Again, not spectacular for a linebacker, but pretty good for an edge defender. And considering how Wink Martindale likes to call these positionless defenses where you one play you could have a guy be basically a defensive end even if he's playing from a two-point stance at another snap have him back as a second level space defender that is kind of a role where Herbig has caught my eye and he is just like you say one of these defenders that Wisconsin just pumps out very technically sound smart guy and he can do pretty much anything you're going to ask of him. He might not be exceptional at any one thing, but as far as just a mid or mid late round pick, I think you could do a lot worse. He's one of those players too, man, that flies off the ball when they line him in a wide nine type of position. He had a sack against, I think it was Michigan state. I think I was watching Jaden Reed, the wide receiver. It was like a third and nine and he's just shot out of a cannon and the tackle just absolutely has to flip his hips to to cut the angle off from the wide nine position because the tight end was just like running a drag route or something. And Herbig just collapsed right into the pocket, got the sack. And I appreciated his game. Look, he's not going to, like most of these Wisconsin Badgers, he's not going to blow you away with his athletic ability or his size, but he's just a technically sound football player. And we know Jim Leonard, the former defensive coordinator for Wisconsin, runs a very similar type of system that Wink Martindale ran. So I think there could be connections in terms of just aligning this guy in a multitude of different spots, positionless type of defense, and getting the most out of a player like this, especially when you're talking about a possible day three selection. Giants have seven day three picks. So I think Nick Herbig is certainly a name that we should kind of keep on our radar. Who else do we have 
at the edge position before we transition to the defensive line. I know Felix Anudike Uzama. I put him on this list, Chris, and I was uncertain about doing that just because Daniel Jeremiah has this guy in his top 50, but just when you when you think about the draft, he's not necessarily one of those edge names that kind of jump out at you, but he's one of those players, man, like 265-pounder. I think he had like six sacks against TCU in 2021. Flies off the ball, not the bendiest, similar to Derek Hall, but just kind of a crafty pass rusher who has a multitude of different moves and has some serious production, again, in the Big 12 at Kansas State. I don't know if I mentioned that he was at Kansas State. And then there's Tula Tuapolotu from USC. What were your thoughts on him? Did you get a chance to witness his game? I thought I saw a profile on Big Blue View for, uh, that you wrote on him. I haven't had a chance to do an, a full in-depth scouting report on him. I've watched him uh, kind of the same way you watch. almost At this point in the draft process, you've watched almost everybody, whether you're watching them specifically or you're watching other people go against their unit. And, you know, I think Tuipolotu is... He was very highly regarded coming into this season. I, I saw a lot of buzz about him as a first-round player, maybe even a, another Leonard Williams coming out of USC. I don't know if he really took the next step a lot of people were talking about. Uh, in general, USC's defense left quite a bit to be desired this year. But I think he is another one of kind of like a kind of like Kobe Wooden as a player who he could play on the edge depending on your down distance alignment play call that sort of thing or he could be an interior one gap penetrator you know like a an under tackle three technique four eye that that sort of thing maybe play some five technique but i think he's falling into this kind of category we're describing of defensive linemen and edge players that are kind of straddling the fence a little bit yeah, I'm not even sure if he falls into the category as a sleeper because he could be an early day two pick depending on how teams value him. He's another one of these players that plays with his hair on fire. But we have one more edge rusher before we transition to the defensive line, and that is KJ Henry. What do you have on KJ Henry? Do you appreciate this guy's skill set? We know that the Giants have really been around that Clemson program a lot. A lot of people expect it was for Trenton Simpson or Miles Murphy, but maybe they also really like what KJ Henry can offer them on day three. Yeah, KJ Henry is a guy who, if you're watching Miles Murphy or Brian Breezy or Trenton Simpson, every other play, it seems like KJ Henry is just around the football. He comes off the ball quick. He is able to bend the edge. He's not super bendy. He's not super quick and athletic, but he's just one of these guys who's just always there. He is always in the frame, always in the picture, always around the ball. And he, he played very well across from Miles Murphy. Uh, really kind of played an anvil to Murphy's hammer. Anvil to Murphy's hammer. I do appreciate that type of terminology right there. So let's transition, though, to the defensive line, defensive tackle. Let's start right there with Jaqueline Roy. I think this is one of the guys that not enough people are discussing right now. I really appreciate his skill set. He's a Big body out there. Number 99, you can't really miss him, but he has explosiveness off the snap more so than I think you would expect from somebody who is about, what, six foot four? I think he's six three, three 305 pounds, but he has more explosiveness 
than you would imagine because we don't necessarily hear too much about him, right? Like I don't hear a lot of people talking about Roy, but when I watched his tape, just going through LSU's defense, watching BJ Ojolari, I was like, damn, who the hell is number 99 out there? Because he's kind of an absolute nuisance to block for a lot of these interior offensive linemen. And he has some pass rushing upside as well. Yeah, the, the thing I noticed about Roy is that, like you said, he's got explosiveness, but he's got that full body explosiveness where he is able to fire his hands into guard center, into their chest plate and kind of give them a shock. And I think that's part of how he is able to generate that pass rush upside where yeah, he can kind of push the pocket, but also be enough of a penetrator where... Not only can they not move him off the ball, but they get moved back and he's able to kind of widen the gap and force his own way into the backfield. You know, Lance Zerline over on NFL.com compared him to Dalvin Tomlinson. And I'm not sure I'd go there with him just because Tomlinson has that wrestling background, just that natural feel for leverage and angles. But as a player who is just powerful and be able to be disruptive because of that power and maybe a little bit of sneaky quickness. I can kind of see that with Roy. It's the sneaky quickness and the ability to kind of get centers on the back of their heels at times, which I saw against Alabama. There was also a play against Texas A&M. This wasn't necessarily a play that was indicative of Roy's skill set, but it was almost like a coffee house stunt, which is essentially just basically like a fake stunt with BJ Ojolari only BJ Ojolari just used this nasty swim move to the out or not swim move, spin move. I'm sorry, to the outside. And you could see how the tackle was really kind of waiting for Roy to Roy to uh, penetrate the a gap and, and work the transition. But I just thought that was a really sweet body control move from Ojolari. But in terms of Roy, if we're talking about a day three pick and I don't even think he'll fall that far. Cause I think NFL teams will recognize the potential. And that's one of the reasons why I'm so excited is the quickness, the potential, the hands, everything that you discussed. But if he is a day three pick and he's around in that area, I think he's a player who the giants could be interested in. And I think there's still a lot of room for growth with a player like Quaylen Roy. Let's move on though to Zach Pickens. Now I feel like you're a higher on Zach Pickens than I am. I watched Zach Pickens early on in the process, Chris, he's a former five-star recruit, highly regarded coming out of high school. And I just kind of feel like he's, Sucked like he he never really lived up to his potential. Maybe I should say sucked is really mean, <laughs> but he never really <laughs> lived up to that five star potential, and it left me frustrated because I watched plenty of South Carolina defense scouting Darius Rush, scouting Cam Smith, who I really like and appreciate, and I'd be like Pickens, this is a five star guy. South Carolina, they don't land too many you know huge five star top ten recruits in draft classes or in prospect classes, whatever you want to call them, recruiting cycles. And Pickens was just kind of left some for me to be desired. So what did you appreciate about his game? And how do you feel about the prospect overall? Yeah, I think Pickens is a guy where his best football is still ahead of him. That's why I I have him listed as a sleeper. Yeah, I think he's got the athletic profile to be a pretty disruptive three technique, five technique, a one gap penetrator. Yeah, just Mm -hmm. wherever you line him up based on your exact defense for that down. You know, he's got long arms. He's got 34-inch arms. He's got good size. He's got good initial explosiveness. Where I was frustrated was his choice of pass rush moves. You know, 
for me, for most of the time, I noticed him leading off with a bull rush, which given his explosiveness, his frame, all that, fine. But then he tried to pair that with like a swim move. And I noticed that offensive linemen would kind of consistently get up under his pads whenever he tried to transition to the swim. And I feel like if he could get with a good defensive line coach and really pair that his bull rush with, I don't know, maybe a forklift or a maybe a club rip, that sort of thing, and really use his length and explosiveness to his advantage without giving up his chest plate quite so easily. I, I really feel like that would open up a lot with his game. Yeah, I have this in my profile about him. Along with his initial quickness, he does flash pass rushing competency, but it's not consistent. Like consistency seems to be the big issue. And I also just think, man, ask him to anchor down against a double team. He just gets blown off the ball. And you're like, oh, like what kind of player is this when you can't even anchor down at the college level? But I do appreciate the initial quickness off the snap. And I, I think if you get him with, say, a defensive line coach like Andre Patterson, maybe he can hone those pass rushing moves and teach him how to get the most out of how to employ his hands. But at the collegiate level, that wasn't something that I saw all too often. Yeah, and even right in my own notes, right at the top, it's like he he is at his best when he's able to attack an individual gap. I didn't like him as a two-gapping defensive tackle. I think he really should be in a just one-gap offense where he is allowed, or sorry, one-gap defense where he is allowed to attack into the backfield. And I think that is where his ceiling is the highest. Now, maybe a guy like Andre Patterson can teach him to really anchor down, drop his hips, uh, play with good leverage to maximize his play strength and open up that side of his game. But just given that initial quickness and his length, uh, I would like to see him as a pass rusher first. So let's move on to our last defensive lineman that we're going to discuss Moro Ojamo, the interior defensive lineman from Texas. I believe this is another like 290 pound type of player. I don't think he has quite the athletic ability of maybe a Jihad Ward from everything that I've seen, but he is somebody who again can penetrate gaps, can create disruption. And, and that's kind of the little notes that I have from the bit of Texas defense that I've seen cross-checking Steve Avila when I watched TCU. But what were your notes on this player? Because I probably haven't seen enough to have a full comprehensive evaluation on his skill set. Yeah, he is, again, another one of these undersized defensive tackles that he is going to make his hay attacking individual gaps and using his leverage and athleticism to be a real headache for offensive linemen. Uh, 6'2", 5'8", 290 pounds, got a 33-inch vertical and a 9-foot, 4-inch broad, which for a defensive tackle, pretty good. And also a 7'4", 5'3", cone, which, again, that's above the 80th percentile, closing in on the 90th percentile, and a 1'6", 10-yard split. So he, he is explosive, and he can corner reasonably well. Not to mention the fact that he's got 34 and a half inch arms, which, you know, that, that's kind of impressive. Yeah, to me, he is one of these defensive tackles who is just 
you're not going to want him two gapping. You're not. You're probably not going to want him on short your short yardage situations. But for long downs and distances, as a pass rushing interior lineman, a guy you rotate on the field when you're taking your nose tackle off, I think he's got real value there. He had a couple plays just looking through some of my notes of the TCU game that I did see. He had one play against Steve Avila in the first quarter with about eight minutes left in the game where he just crosses the facing and beats Steve Avila to uh, to penetrate the A-gap. It was, it was a really nice play where Avila stepped to make the block, and I thought it was a really nice just chop of the outs or the inside arm of Avila for him to just absolutely penetrate the A-gap and force a cutback to where Kendry Miller was tackled for a loss of yardage. And then he showed this excellent lateral agility to explode into a gap against another TCU lineman where he just avoided the contact, put the lineman on the ground, and then presented his chest right to the running back. The running back had to bounce it outside. It ended up being like a four or five-yard gain for Kendry Miller. But the initial aiming point for Miller was just absolutely removed from Ajamo. And I got to do more work on him. I've only seen this one game, but I also know just Texas's defense does a lot of slanting. You know, they do a lot of gap exchange right at the snap. And this player's ability to quickly explode out of the stance and penetrate seemed to be a, a really beneficial aspect of the way he was leveraged within this defense for Texas. And I think that's also something that Wink Martindale can get something out of. So definitely another player I got to kind of go to the tape and watch a little bit more of. But Chris, do you have any other interior defensive linemen or edge rushers you want to discuss before we get into linebackers and some of the other position groups on defense? No, I I think linebacker is one position Giants fans definitely want to hear about. So we should probably just get to that. All right, Chris, let's discuss the linebackers. And you know what? Since we get very long-winded here discussing the interior defense line, the edge, and these linebackers, we're going to save the cornerbacks and the safeties for another podcast, especially since we know Wink Martindale, the New York Giants, they need help at both of those positions. And they're going to be looking at both of those positions. They might be looking at it at pick 25, Chris, but they also could explore it a little bit later on in the draft. But let's dive into these linebackers. And I freaking love the first linebacker that we have listed on this list in front of my face, in front of my eyes. And that is Ivan Pace Jr. from Cincinnati. He's an undersized player. A lot of people have comped him to Malcolm Rodriguez. I don't necessarily see that. I think Malcolm Rodriguez might've been a little bit better in the box, but where I think Ivan Pace works for the Giants is as a blitzer. We know the Giants went out and they selected Micah McFadden last year who had so many pressures for the Hoosiers. But Ivan Pace coming out of Cincinnati, every time they asked him to blitz and they asked him to penetrate, this guy had some serious ability to avoid blockers at the point of attack, slip around them, slip around their blocks, use just insane lower body flexion and bend, just kind of get around them and then present them himself right into the pocket or against a running back and pass protection. So I think there's a lot of value in pace junior in terms of penetration and blitzing. What were your thoughts on him? Yeah. I haven't pace is a lot of fun to watch. Like he is the type of guy. He doesn't look like he should be as effective as he is. He is, he, he's built like a fire hydrant. I, I'm just going to be right up front with that. He's five foot 10, 230 pounds with 30 inch arms. Like, he should not be an effective pass rusher at the major college or the NFL level, but he is. He's got great burst. He's got great speed. He is, like you said, a hair on fire player. Like 
he just never slows down and he's pretty instinctive especially as a blitzer and all that together like i could definitely see wink martindale liking this guy even if it is only as a third down pass rush specialist dude he had a play i'm trying to remember who it was against it was i think it was against louisville i think it was against louisville where he just or it might have been Ball State, one of those schools with the Cardinal. But he just <laughs> literally took the guard and threw him aside, like clubbed him with his forearm. Like you just shouldn't see players of, of Ivan Pace's size execute pass rushing moves in that manner. Like I think also from everything I've heard about the player, he's just, you know, an insatiable football guy, has a football character, good on and off the field. I think he's going to appeal to what the Giants are looking for in a young man, a player that they want to bring onto their football team. And when you add the element of blitzing that he showed at Cincinnati, bro, I really do believe the Giants are going to be interested in this player if he's still around on day three. Yeah, and just given his physical profile, I do expect him to be around on day three. Just something I've noticed with this draft class, you see a lot of people talking about this is a weak draft, I don't think it is. It doesn't have the traditional blue chip players that we've come to expect coming out of college, or at least not many of them. But this is going to have a lot of players where the teams that are able to ask, okay, what does this guy do? And then coach and scheme to those strengths. Those teams, I think, are going to absolutely crush the draft. There are a lot of non-traditional talents coming out this year. All right, let's transition as much as I really like Ivan Pace. Let's transition a little bit to Muhammad Dibiati from Utah, a little bit more of an athletic type of linebacker, which I feel like is a lot of these linebackers at the collegiate level. They're a little bit more athlete than they are, say, Jack Campbell and understand the nuances of playing the position. And Jack Campbell's a good athlete in his own right, but I haven't seen too much of Dibiati. So I do like saying that last name, though. So can you give the audience a little bit of a synopsis on what you saw from his play? Yeah, I, I, I liked him. I thought he was really versatile. In fact, I was honestly surprised that he was a combine snub. He was not invited to the combine, which was just almost stunning to me, considering he was on a good defense at Utah, and he was a good defender in his own right. He's a six foot three, 230 pounds, so he's got... NFL size for an off-ball linebacker. He can play in space. He can. He's got good in instincts. I thought playing in space, uh, getting good depth in his zone drops, and keeping his eyes in the backfield, but not really getting stuck uh, defending grass out there in zone coverage. And he can rush the passer. Like he's got. Good instincts, timing, burst, all that as a pass rusher. Utah even lined him up in a in a three point stance off the edge on occasion. So maybe he could even be kind of a, a poor man's Micah Parsons. Poor man's Micah Parsons. That's nice. I, I have a little bit here on Diviati, just looking up his RAS from Math Bomb. Kent Lee Platt, who does an excellent job calculating the athletic ability of prospects relative to their height and other players who have gone through testing databases throughout. I think it's dating back to like the 80s or something like that. 1982, if I remember crew. I think it's, I think for the linebackers, at least it says 1987 to 2023. Dibiati's RAS was, 
I think a 908 is what it says, which positions him as the 233rd best out of 2,527 linebackers. And just not bad numbers here, man. He's not the biggest 225 pounds, which is one huge mark is only red mark, but he had great composite speed scores with a four, five, two 40, a one, six, four, 10 yard split, but it was his three cone that was sub seven. And then his short shuttle, which was a four, two, five, that really kind of bumped up his, his athletic testing. And then you go over to his explosive grade. That was great. According to Kent Lee Platt, but sorry about that. Uh, that was great according to Kent Lee Platt. His vertical was only a 34, but his broad bro was 11 feet. Like if his vertical was like a 37, like that would have been elite level type of explosive score. So it is surprising because this is all off his pro day. It is surprising that he wasn't invited to the to the combine because Dan well seems like at least from a little bit of tape I've seen on him that he was a good athlete. And I guess I guess the NFL just saw enough of him down at the senior bowl. It, maybe that's the case. And I don't know, maybe they wanted to keep him as a sleeper. But if the Giants do not go for a linebacker early on, they don't go for a Trent Simpson or Drew Sanders or Jack Campbell or any of those guys like in the first or second round, I would not be at all upset if they drafted uh, Dibiati on the third day because I would view him as, at the very least, a day two value. So let's transition to these two lane linebackers. First, we'll start with Dorian Williams. Dorian Williams is generating day two buzz. He might ultimately fall to day three just because he is 228 pounds. He's not the best with stack and shedding, but he has the range and the length that I feel like a lot of teams are attempting to covet right now. So I know you've watched a little bit of the two lane defense. What were your thoughts on Dorian Williams? I know, I believe we have talked about him before, but what were your overall thoughts on him? Yeah, I, I actually like both of these two-lane linebackers. Uh, Dorian Williams, he is, like you said, a, a, a good athlete. I, I'm not sure I would want him stacking and shedding. I'd like him as a, a will linebacker, maybe just kind of the modern off-ball linebacker, dropping in the hook curl area, playing the run in pursuit. Use him as a blitzer, take care of that, or take advantage of that athleticism. And yeah, th I think maybe day two might feel a little bit rich for him just based on the depth of the other positions in this draft class and the fact that linebacker, that's kind of at a discount lately, maybe because teams need a lot of cornerbacks and there just isn't as much value at the linebacker position in modern defenses. But if you could get him maybe at the top of the fourth round or in the Giants case towards the bottom of the fourth round, that could be a really good, I'm sorry, a really good value. But then it's his teammate out there, Nick Anderson. Yeah, He was a guy who kind of jumped off the tape to both of us. I really appreciated Nick Anderson. I, I really loved his tape. I don't know if anybody else is talking about him, if he's in other draft guys. I haven't heard a freaking word about him which made me like question everything. So I was like, I get that he's small, but he's freaking productive out there. And he might not be Ivan Pace in terms of his blitzing ability, but what did he not handle well at Tulane? It's really just the fact that he is like a five foot nine, fifth year senior, but he's 230 pounds. I believe at his pro day, he ran a four, six, two. So you're not talking about a blazer. 
And I'm not bringing him up to be like, this guy should be a fourth round pick or a fifth round pick. But I think this guy could end up being a, a free agent that is signed in just right after the draft who can come in and will be like an elite special teams player for you who, if he does earn snaps, he'll make splash plays for you because damn, is he physical? He does not play like a five foot nine, 230 pound player. And I just kind of really ended up appreciating his tape despite his less than ideal measurables. Yeah, exactly the same over here. Yeah, I... I loved his first move. You know, one of the things I always try to pay attention to with linebackers is their helmet and where that first step they take is like, if that first step is in the direction of the play, like if the flow of the play is to the offensive left, the linebacker just takes that first step towards his right and anticipates the direction of the play that is a huge positive to me because it just it saves so much time and allows them to play so much faster where even if you have a guy who is say a 4-6 linebacker he's able to play like a 4-4 linebacker because he doesn't have to take that time reading reacting and processing he can just go and that's the thing that Nick Anderson did and yeah he's another guy you don't want him taking on offensive linemen and having to stack and shed and all that but if you just put him in position to play with his instincts, and like you said, earn snaps on special teams, get the occasional snap on defense, maybe earn some reps with the ones in training camp or even the twos, he is going to flash. And he is a guy I think deserves to be drafted, even if he does wind up being a priority free agent. And I think wherever he lands during training camp, during rookie camp the beat writers for that team are going to notice him and say who the hell is this guy where did he come from absolutely and thank you everyone for tuning in to chris and nick's show here on big blue view radio we will be going over the cornerbacks and the safeties next week please tune into that or earlier or later on in this week and please if you have not done so already head on over to bigblueview.com and check out all of our written content thank you everyone and have a lovely day